Um, we are continuing in our sermon series, The Gifts of the Spirit. Uh, this is week two. Uh, today we're going to add to what we did last week in the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we started with this foundational truth that um, the gifts that we have from the Holy Spirit um, is built upon the foundation first and foremost of, on top of the lordship of Jesus in our lives. If Jesus is not our Lord, there's no Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, there are no gifts, right? And so the idea that we have been gifted by the Holy Spirit is, a, is an evidence of God um, not, wor- not only working in our lives, but our submission to the lordship of Jesus. And so today we're gonna add to that six more foundational truths before we get into the nuts and bolts of spiritual gifts and what they are. Um, if you are a note taker and want to take notes, there are notes in the seat back in front of you. Uh, even some fill in the blanks today if, if you're a fill in the blank person. Uh, so feel free to grab one of those and follow along. We're going to start in verse 4 today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So starting in verse 4, I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but the Apostle Paul wants us to understand spiritual giftings uh, based on the foundation of understanding the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives is connected to uh, what Jesus is doing in our life, which is connected to what the Father is doing in our lives. Why is that important? Well, for two reasons. If we're not careful, we will emphasize uh, one of the persons of the Trinity, whether it's the Holy Spirit, the Son, or the Father, to the neglect of the other two and miss the fullness of who God is. So when we typically talk about Spiritual gifts, we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, a lot about what the Holy Spirit is doing, and Paul wants to make sure that we understand the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. So, whatever the Father is up to, so is the Son, and whatever the Son is up to, so is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers believers and calls us to the things of God. So what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life is not different from what Jesus is doing in your life. Right, so Jesus has called us to go and make disciples of the nations. So whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, right, it's headed in that direction. It's meant to fulfill that calling. And so if you're taking notes, spiritual gifts are given to believers to fulfill the purpose of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's so important when we learn about the Holy Spirit that we're learning about the God of the Bible. Whatever God is up to in the universe the Holy Spirit is up to in our lives. Now, the second thing that is, is embedded in verse four, that I'm not sure if you picked up on, but the Apostle Paul wants us to see spiritual gifts um, connected to the variety of different things happening in the church. And so he says it this way, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, a variety of services, but the same Lord, referring to the Son, and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone's everyone. So not only do we have this Trinitarian foundation for understanding what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives, now we have a context here that Paul wants us to understand about our spiritual gifts and how they fit into the different services of the church and the different activities that are going on. That word um, for service, the Greek word, is the same root word that we get deacon or deaconess from. 
right? So there are a variety of different gifts. There are a variety of different roles that you can serve in. And just to make it super clear, there are a whole lot of different activities you can get involved in in the life of the church. Now, how does that help us understand how spiritual gifts work? So when we talk about spiritual gifts, what we're talking about is the supernatural ability that God gives to believers to serve in the church, to accomplish his will. So we're not talking about your natural strengths and weaknesses. We're not talking about your personality. We're talking about a supernatural work that God does in you and works through you in the church. Spiritual gifts then, because there are a variety of different ways that these play out, spiritual gifts determine how a believer serves in the church, not where a believer serves in the church. How, not where. There are a variety of different ways that your spiritual gifts will play out in the church. And I'll I'll explain why this is important. So for example, if somebody uh, recognizes that they have the spiritual gift of hospitality, okay? That does not automatically mean that they need to be on the hospitality team, okay? God might mean for them to use that gift as a part of their community group, right? To serve those within their community group with hospitality. In a similar way, if somebody has a leadership gift, it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be leading the community group. Because God's plan for that, his service for that individual might be to lead the hospitality team. You with me? So your spiritual gifts don't determine where you serve in the church. They determine how you serve in that thing you've been called to do, right? How you serve, not where you serve. What Paul mentions here in verse seven is this. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Now, that word manifestation means to reveal something, okay? So when the Holy Spirit of God works through you in a supernatural way where your gifts are seen by others, it's a reflection of God in your life. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God working in you. Now, here's why this is important. Your spiritual gifts are not meant to call attention to you. They're meant to call attention to God. So when somebody sees the spirit of God working in you supernaturally, they would say, I know you, and you didn't do that. That's bigger than you. That's more powerful than you. That's God working. You, you with me? It's a revelation, a manifestation of God himself. So as image bearers, when we engage in our spiritual giftings and serving in the church, we reflect the image of, of God. And I'll just, I'll just use myself as, as an example. So, I was having this conversation recently with some believers about being called to be a preacher. I said, well, you know what's interesting about that is first of all, I'm an introvert. Um, I, uh, being around people drains me. I like being by myself. That, that fills me up, that invigorates me. Um, I enjoy being alone, right? Now, being a pastor though, I gotta be around a lot of people. And not only that, one of my greatest phobias is speaking in front of people. So I say all that to say like, What I'm doing right now, what I do Sunday by Sunday is not my natural strength, okay? It's not my natural personality and and, and gifting. It is supernatural. And especially for those who like knew me before I was a Christian, who right here today that I'm a preacher, they're like, really, you? Like, are you sure? Yeah. And people show up at your church? I'm like, I know, it's pretty amazing. Why? Because it is the supernatural Holy Spirit working through me. It's not me. 
It is an evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when you come up to me, or if you come up to me, say, hey, great sermon today, hey, great job today, God really spoke to me, I can just very easily just push, push away from that conversation and go, well, praise God, right? Because left up to me, you probably would have got up and walked out confused or offended, or you would have slept, and it just would not have been beneficial to you. But the fact that you're saying it was beneficial to you, it led you closer to God, means the Holy Spirit was working in a supernatural way through the gift of teaching. So our spiritual gifts are meant to be that evidence of God. They're meant to point not towards us, but point towards God himself. But not only that, we see this at the end of verse six and the beginning of verse seven. Every believer has been given a spiritual gift. Let that truth land on you today. Every believer. He says it two different ways. He says, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And then he says again, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So every believer has been given a manifestation of God's Holy Spirit. And in context, we know he's talking about spiritual giftings, supernatural spiritual giftings. Now, here's the thing. First of all, I know that some of you here today may be extremely familiar with this teaching. Like you've, you've known about your giftings for a while, you've been taught in this, but there's a good chance that there are several of you here today, this is brand new for you. Nobody's ever taught you um, this, this thing about the Holy Spirit working and gifting you, okay? So here's what I want you to understand. Early on as a believer, sometimes these gifts are hard to see. And most often, we don't even see them in ourselves. It's somebody else who sees them in us and calls it out. Okay, so I'll give you an example again from my life. It was, I was 18 years old. I was um, in a minivan with my pastor. Um, we were coming around the loop around Austin, Texas, um, before the bypass existed. And it was on that highway that he looked over at me and said, Jason, have you ever thought about becoming a pastor? Me? Of course I haven't. Why would I think that? That sounds like the dumbest idea in the whole world for me to be a pastor. Like, I like church and I love Jesus, but, you know, that's not me. It's not my personality. It's not my natural strength. He said, well, hey, d- d- just slow down. I see something in you that I think you don't see in yourself. And that spiritual gift of teaching, it was just a small little ember, but his words that day began to fan that gift into flame. And I began to think, wow, if he sees this in me, maybe it is something God is in fact doing in my life long before it was obvious to me or anybody else. And so oftentimes as believers, those gifts are there, but we need, we need to walk in community with one another where somebody you know and who knows you can say, listen, I see a gifting in you that you don't see in yourself. And they can be part of fanning that gift into flames. Every believer has been given a spiritual gift. Verse eight. For to the one, for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, All of these, or all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
two really important principles that we just read about here. First of all, Paul goes overboard to make the point it's one and the same spirit. So whatever gifting is in your life, the same spirit who, who gives gifts to me is giving those gifts to you. So whatever he's up to in your life, he's up to in my life to accomplish the same purpose, the same will, so the Holy Spirit of God doesn't gift you in a certain way and call you to something that's completely different or contrary than what he's calling me to. He's calling us together to fulfill one purpose, right? The same spirit is doing this work. Your gift may be mercy, this person's gift may be hospitality, this person's gift may be leadership, this person's gift may be wisdom, but it's all empowered by one and the same spirit who's after one and the same goal. And here's how he says it in verse 11, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Your spiritual gifts are not meant for you. They're not. The spiritual gifts that God has given to you are not meant for you. They're not meant to fulfill your ambitions in life to make you successful at at your desires to fulfill your longings. God has imparted spiritual gifts to you to accomplish his will. And he has apportioned those gifts to you according to his will. Now, we don't all have the same gifts. Later on in the chapter, we'll see in a few weeks, Paul makes that clear. It's not wrong to want gifts you don't have and to even pray and ask for gifts that you don't have. Matter of fact, he's gonna tell us to do that later on in the chapter. But at the end of the day, God does not apportion spiritual gifts to us based on our personal preferences. Gifts are meant to fulfill his will. Gifts are meant to come together, we're gonna see in just a minute, in a complementary fashion where I need you and your supernatural gifts and you need me and my supernatural gifts. If we all had the gift of hospitality, right, we would be great at throwing parties but we wouldn't grow in truth together and knowledge and wisdom. There'd be no mercy or compassion, no spiritual gift of, of faith or healing or miracles. We need the gifts that God gives to one another, that complement one another. And Ephesians four says that when each one is working in our gifting, guess what happens to the church? We thrive and we grow together into maturity in Christ when each one is doing his and her part the way God has apportioned it. So I've prayed for the gift of tongues. I've never been bestowed with the gift of speaking in tongues. I've asked for it. I'm not comfortable with it. It kind of freaks me out, but it's a valid gift. And I've asked God, Can I, will you give me the gift of tongues? And he hasn't. There's nothing wrong with praying for that, but God's not just gonna give it to you based on your personal preferences. He will bestow gifts according to his will, his purposes, and what he wants to fulfill through your life. Spiritual gifts are given to believers according to God's purposes, not according to the believer's preferences. Now, in this passage we just read, the Apostle Paul begins to list out different gifts, right? Mentioned in there, wisdom and knowledge and tongues and interpretation of tongues and faith and healing. And here's what we know by reading um, the entire Bible comprehensively is there is no one place you can go to in your Bible to get a complete comprehensive list of the gifts. For example, you've got several gifts mentioned here. If you go to Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is gonna list gifts again. Some are gonna be the same as what he mentions here. Some are gonna be different. 
So we know his intention isn't to say, here are all the gifts, pick one. What he's saying is these are examples of how God supernaturally gifts his people. For example, you go to the Old Testament and the building of the temple, the Holy Spirit empowers um, followers of God as artisans, architects, and construction workers to build the temple. We know that the Holy Spirit working in David's life, not only was he a valiant leader, but he was this, he was this, this, this faith-infused worshiper, this incredible songwriter. And, and when he worshiped, it, it inspired people. And, and so that's how the Holy Spirit worked in David. So, so we don't want to say, is, here are the gifts you pick for one. What we do want to say is, what does the Bible clearly include in the list of gifts? So for our, the spiritual gift analysis that we use as a church, we have 18 spiritual gifts listed on there. We're not saying those are the only gifts, but we are saying is these are clearly biblical examples of gifts. You with me? Okay, and so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk through um, these gifts with you this morning and just brevity. Um, but my hope is this, that every person here would, would take time to do the spiritual gift analysis. Everything I'm about to go over is in there, plus some. Um, even if you've taken a gift analysis before, I'd love to encourage you to take it fresh and new. If you never have, please, please do this. What I want you to do is I want you to take the results of that into your next community group discussion and share it with people who know you so they can give you feedback, right? So that they can fan into flame maybe some gifts that you didn't see or maybe even help steer you in the right direction because sometimes we think things are gifts that aren't. Right, we need somebody we know and love to say, really, you think that's a gift you have? Well, I'll pray with you about that. That's not your gift. But, look at, have you looked at this? Because I see this in you. So spiritual gift analysis alone, these little tests we take, they don't determine exactly what our gifts are. What we, what we consider them to be, though, is a great conversation starter. So I wanna encourage you to take that gift analysis that's on the website under resources and then take those results back into your community group. Um, take them to a pastor, a spiritual leader in your life who can then fan those things into flame and help grow those spiritual giftings. So let's walk through in brevity some of these gifts that are listed in the scriptures. The first one is administration. I like to start with this one because that doesn't seem supernatural. Seems very pragmatic, doesn't it? Administration, like, What's supernatural about that? Well, first of all, what we have to understand is we're talking about administration in the context of the church, and as a church, we are chasing after supernatural goals. Like, people coming to Jesus is a supernatural thing, right? People being healed, people being set free from addictions, the things that we do as a church are supernatural. And so we talk about the gift of administration. What we're talking about is a person who's gifted to help steer and guide our church towards supernatural things. So here's just a quick definition. This is a supernatural ability to clearly understand the goals of the church and to devise and execute effective plans for the accomplishment of those goals. Some of you are hearing this and for the first time you're thinking, you know what, that might be one of my spiritual gifts. I didn't realize that was a spiritual gift. Listed right there in 1 Corinthians 12. So there are people in the church that the Holy Spirit of God supernaturally enables to do administration in a way that leads to supernatural things. Administration. Second one we'll talk through is discernment <coughs> or distinguishing between spirits. Um, this is the supernatural ability to know with assurance whether an observed behavior, speech, or writing are of God or Satan, truth or error, good or evil, and right or wrong. Now, 
we can do this through the Bible. We can, we can read and we can compare what somebody is saying or something we're reading to the truth of scripture. Um, all of us as believers should attempt to be discerning. However, there are some within the church who have the supernatural ability. In a group setting, something is said or shared and something inside this person says, that's not right. And nobody else in the group got it. Right, that's a supernatural way to discern between what's of God versus what's of Satan. What is true versus what is false. My wife has the gift of discernment. She has served me well in our marriage and ministry together by being way more discerning than me. I'm an excellent discerner on the surface, but when it comes to this ability to look beyond the surface to what is being said or what is being done, um, God has empowered my wife supernaturally to be discerning, to be able to say, listen, something was off there. I'm like, really, I didn't notice. And then sure enough, right, over time we realized, yes, something was off. Um, Another spiritual gift uh, is the gift of encouragement. Um, What we're not talking about is the person who is um, just always optimistic and the cheerleader. We're talking about is a person who can say things to your soul that infuse you with hope and encouragement in the midst of discouragement. The gift of encouragement is a supernatural ability God gives some to offer comfort, words of encouragement, hope, and reassurance uh, to discouraged, weak, troubled Christians in such a way that they're actually consoled. They feel nourished and encouraged in their soul, and I love having people with this gift around me. The next one is the gift of evangelism. We're gonna define it, and then I I wanna add an asterisk note here. So the gift of evangelism. So we start at the top with the definition. This is what evangelism is. It means to bring good news, to announce glad tidings um, of the coming kingdom of God, and to proclaim the salvation that is obtained through faith in Christ. You might say, well, aren't we all called to do that? Yes, just hold that for a second. When we're talking about this gift, though, we're talking about the supernatural ability to readily share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that men and women often, frequently become followers of Jesus. What you're gonna notice about most of the spiritual gifts is that we're all called to do them. All of us are called to encourage one another, when, right? I mean, when you're discouraged because I don't have that gift, I don't look at you and say, hey, good luck with that. I'll pray that God will send you somebody with a gift of encouragement. That's not my gift, so good luck with that. No, in that moment, I press in and I, I strive to encourage you. Right, so just because it's not my gift does not mean that I'm not engaged and called to do it. Evangelism is one of those gifts. We are all called to share the gospel and make disciples of the nations, every one of us. When we talk about the gift though, we're talking about that person who is supernaturally abled to share the gospel in such a way that men and women often become believers. I think of you know, people like Billy Graham right, who, who preach the same gospel that I'm preaching, that the pastor down the street is preaching, that you're preaching, yet tens of thousands of people become believers and followers of Jesus because of that supernatural gifting of evangelism. Um, the next one, case in point, is faith. Faith as a gift. It's listed here as a spiritual gift. Aren't we all supposed to have faith? We're saved by grace through faith, right? So every believer has a certain amount of faith. Again, we're talking about the supernatural uh, ability or or enablement or conviction to be firmly persuaded of God's power and promises to accomplish his will and purpose and to display such a confidence in him and his word that circumstances and obstacles do not shake that conviction. 
As you, as you define it that way, people may come to mind for you. I, I love having people like this around me when I'm working through difficult situations. Whether that's working through something with the elders or with leadership team or with staff. It's that person with the gift of faith, right, who's, who's, who's not shaken when everything looks like it's just, right, going to pot. When everything looks like it's falling apart and crumbling and there's no hope, the person with the gift of faith, right, unshakably says to the, everybody else, what are you talking about? Like, God can do this. God has more than shown himself faithful and, and their gift of faith stirs up everybody else's faith, right? Infuses everybody else with faith. So while every believer has faith, we're talking about the believer who is supernaturally gifted, with this deep, rock-solid, unwavering, unshakable conviction. Uh, next gift we're gonna talk about is the gift of giving. Aren't we all called to give, sacrificially and generously? Absolutely. But there are people who are gifted to give. The supernatural ability to contribute material resources to the work of the Lord with liberality and cheerfulness. That word is really important because sometimes they get grumpy when you don't let them give. Right, because they're so passionate about, about giving. We were, um, Hallie and I were out to eat with, with a couple recently that we're just getting to know. Um, and, uh, and so the first time we went out with them, they bought our meal, right? And so then what's the rule the next time? We buy, right? And I'm telling you, like we went into this, like, hey, we're gonna, we had a plan. We're buying, right? We're not gonna let them pay. Yeah, that's the plan. And it was like when the ticket came, um, it was just like with his eyes, he ripped the ticket off the table into his hand. He just had it. I'm like, wait a second. Like, no, you're going to let us buy. No, 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 we're buying tonight. No, 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 you bought last time. You know what I'm talking about, that, that awkward thing. And like, no, 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 we want to buy. And, and, and so here's what he said. And I really appreciated this. He said, hey, pastor, let me ask you a question. If your wife had some kind of physical ailment and was struggling and and, and you knew that I had the gift of healing, and I came to you and said, hey, can I pray over your wife? He said, would you tell me no? Well, of course not. I would I say, yeah, pray for her. He said, okay, I have been given the spiritual gift of giving. I'm paying for tonight. Don't rob me of the blessing to serve in my gifting, right? Because why? Because he, not only does he find joy in that, like they budget to be able to do that right? Because they're gifted supernaturally to give to the needs of others in such a way that they, they plan around it. They set up their budget in such a way that they can cheerfully and generously give to others. It's a spiritual gift of giving. We're all called to give, but you've probably met that person just supernaturally. Like they find cheerful joy in giving to the needs of others. These are great people to have around too, by the way. Um, let me just walk through a couple others. Um, healing. The supernatural ability to serve as human intermediaries through whom God cures illness and restores health apart from the use of man-made means. The divine ability to be God's means for restoring people to wholeness. Um, so when we talk about supernatural healing, we're talking about something very specific. So when you pray for healing over any given situation, there are typically one of three things that happens. Either A, God chooses to not heal. You know he does that sometimes, right? Because he, he heals according to what? His will, right? So sometimes he doesn't heal, at least not immediately. He will leave us in that struggle for a season. We don't know why. We just know it's according to his will. Sometimes he chooses to work through human means, through doctors and diagnosis and through um, you know, x-rays and procedures. And he brings about healing through human hands. 
However, there are times where God supernaturally heals in such a way there's no human explanation. So an example would be, um, again, Hallie and I were having dinner with um, a couple last night and she was sharing her story about um, four years ago. Uh, she was doing laundry and all of a sudden she went blind in her right eye. She felt the knees in her laundry room. Her husband came in, what's going on? And they ended up going to the hospital and she was diagnosed with um, this degenerative eye um, diagnosis, which basically meant she was not only gonna go blind in her right eye completely, her left eye was gonna follow. And the doctor said, here's the thing, there's really no cure for this. The only thing we can do is stick a needle in your eye and relieve the pressure, makes you a little bit more comfortable. We can't heal this. So they went and they got a second opinion. It was confirmed. She had a, a degenerative eye disease that was gonna lead to complete blindness. So her and her husband, they go before the elders of the church. The elders lay hands on her and pray over her and beg God for his healing. And here's, here's what's amazing. Not only did her sight become restored, up until that point in her life, she had worn glasses. When God restored her eyesight, he restored 20-20 vision. She's never worn glasses since. There's no human explanation for that. Okay, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about supernatural healing. And there are those who have been gifted in the church, according to God's word, with this ability to serve as, as human uh, intermediaries through whom God cures illness and restores health. Gift of healing. Uh, the gift of service. Again, this is one that oftentimes gets overlooked. Uh, the word service is rooted, uh, what we talked about earlier, in the same Greek word as deacon or deaconess. It is, it is one who serves behind the scenes, who serves diligently and joyfully. It's a supernatural ability to identify unmet needs associated with God's work and to work gladly behind the scenes in order that God's work is fulfilled. Now, most of us are willing to help once things are pointed out to us. But this is the person who supernaturally sees what needs to be done and jumps in behind the scenes and oftentimes you never know they even did anything, right? They just, they see the need, they, they joyfully jump in and meet the need and they don't ask for any recognition. I'm not good at that. I gotta drop, drop some subtle hints so you know I did something, right? So you can just, oh, you're such a good pastor and pat me on the back. But these people do not like recognition. They love to serve and they love to serve the church to accomplish God's work. I'll give you an example. Um, I won't give names because I don't have permission to do that. Um, but there were 7 a.m. We were here this morning. Uh, we were going through um, praying for our services day, taking communion, worship team, tech team, pastors were all here. And there were a couple of ladies who were tidying up the, the, the worship center. They were straightening up your chair. They were tucking in papers in the back of your chairs, putting pens in there, making sure everything was good to go for today. And you had no idea that they even did that. Right? That gift of service. Just enjoy serving in a way where they don't need recognition. But all they want is God's work to be accomplished. And that is a supernatural gift that some within the church have. We need folks like that. All right, so gift of knowledge, supernatural ability um, that God, whereby the Spirit enables certain Christians to understand in an exceptional way the great truths of God's word and to make them relevant to specific situations in the church. You, you know this person, right? Like they just always know where the Bible verse is, right? You're in community group discussion. You're like, doesn't it say somewhere? And they're like, well, actually, that's in 1 Peter chapter 2. And they give you the reference. You're like, how did you know that? was a gift of knowledge, just this supernatural bandwidth to retain information and to make sense of things and to put it together and to remember things, the things of God, the supernatural gift of knowledge. Uh, the gift of leadership, this is the supernatural ability 
Um, we'll get it turned up there. Supernatural ability for leadership. There it is. To clearly see God's vision and set goals to accomplish it and to communicate the vision to others in such a way that they, listen to this, voluntarily and harmoniously work together to accomplish the vision for the glory of God. We're not talking about dictators. We're not talking about people who know how to bark commands. We're talking about people who, when they lead, people follow. Um, One of my mentors came to me and said, you know how you can tell a leader in the church because people follow. He he gave me this illustration of a rope. He said, people are like a rope, people of the church. He said, try to push a rope and see what happens. Have you ever done that? It just doubles back on itself and you can't get a rope to go anywhere. But if you'll get out front and lead, right, you can pull a rope. And so he said, listen, people with this gift, they know how to get out front and lead in such a way that if they stop and look behind them, people are following, right? Not just following arbitrarily, but voluntarily and harmoniously following leadership. You can always tell when leadership gift is present because people naturally want to follow. The gift of mercy and compassion Ooh, I need people like this around me. Mercy and compassion. This is the supernatural ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion for individuals who suffer from distressing physical, mental, or emotional problems. I would even add in their spiritual, such as guilt or condemnation, and to meet the needs of others cheerfully to reflect Christ's love in the midst of suffering. Um, These are the people, um, a lot like those with the gift of encouragement, who can just speak to the soul in such a way that it, that it brings relief. Maybe if you're a person like me who beats themselves up, you need somebody with this gift around you, the gift of mercy and compassion to remind you of the mercies of God, right? to remind you of the, the grace that God has lavished you with. If you ever find yourself being too hard on other people, this is the person who comes alongside of you and says, hey, don't forget how good God's been to you. This person with the gift of mercy and compassion Uh, The gift of miracles, this is a lot like the gift of healing. Um, This is a supernatural ability to serve, again, as human intermediaries through whom God performs powerful acts that are perceived by observers to have altered the ordinary course of the natural world, okay? No natural explanation, a lot like healing. So when Jesus walked on water, the disciples went, whoa, that's not natural. That's supernatural, right? Um, Jesus turning water into wine, Jesus being raised from the dead, Now here's my caution. Everything supernatural is not of God. Just because something defies human logic or reason does not make it of God, okay? So we're not just talking about everything in the realm of supernatural work. What we're talking about is a very specific work. And here's how you know the difference. If you don't have somebody who has discernment close by you, here's how you know the difference. The miraculous work of God always leads to the glory of God, always. So like, when Jesus cast the demons into the pigs and they run off the cliff into the ocean and drown, like there's nothing natural about that. Pigs don't just do that, right? right? But all that was done for what reason? For the glory of God. And so that's how you know and you can test a miraculous situation to know is this of God or not? Does it lead to the glory of God? Does it accomplish the purposes of God? Um, prophecy, this is an important one to talk through. Prophecy, we tend to think about the future when we think about prophecy, right? Future telling. Future is only part of being a prophet, okay? So that's foretelling, so the ability to foretell. But prophecy also includes foretelling, meaning speaking truth, proclaiming truth about what is right now, 
right? It's the person with that courage uh, to stand up and to say what everybody else is scared to say, but it's true. This is the prophet. It's a supernatural ability to receive and to communicate with authority and urgency, an immediate message from God to his people. We, in a few weeks, are gonna come back and talk about both prophecy and tongues, um, but always prophecy can be validated and affirmed by God's word. So we'll come back in a few weeks and talk more about prophecy. Shepherding is another one. Um, and I wanna point this one out for specific reasons. So this is the supernatural ability to assume long-term personal responsibility for the leadership, spiritual care, protection, guidance for a group of believers to lead them towards ongoing spiritual maturity and becoming more like Christ. So you read that definition, you go, well, aren't all of our pastors here at the church called to be shepherds? Absolutely, that's what the word means. But some are supernaturally gifted at this. Nick Hill is gifted as a shepherd, supernaturally, right? All of us are called to shepherd, right? If you're a community group leader, you're called to shepherd, but some within the body are supernaturally gifted to do this in such a way you can clearly see the Holy Spirit all over them. Shepherding. Uh, teaching. Uh, this is a supernatural ability uh, that God gives to some to explain the truths of the word. Talk about the Bible of God clearly and to apply them effectively so that those taught understand, learn, and grow in Christ. So if you ever come up to me and say, hey, that was a great sermon, or God really spoke to me, my only valid response is praise God. Praise God, because I didn't do that. Trust me, <laughs> I'm an introvert who's scared of people, right? So I didn't do that. That's the supernatural work of God working through the teaching gift. If you learned something, if you grew in Christ in any way, right, if you understood anything about God's truth, that's the Holy Spirit of God working. This is not me. And then a couple more here. We have the interpretation of tongues. I won't spend a lot of time here because we're gonna give a whole Sunday to talking about tongues and prophecy. Um, but this is the supernatural ability to make known in the common language of those present the message of one who speaks in tongues. So if somebody, anybody speaks in tongues and there's a group setting, the interpreter takes that message and puts it into the common language so everybody there can understand it. That's the interpretation of tongues. So then what is speaking in tongues? Let's talk through that. Um, there are biblically three different examples of this. It's a supernatural ability to A, speak to God uh, in a language. Uh, actually, it's to speak to God or his people. That's missing if you wanna add that in. In a language that they have never learned. Um, and so uh, Acts 2 is a great example. Um, when the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples there and they begin to, to sp speak and preach, there were a lot of people in Jerusalem who spoke different languages, but the Bible says each one was hearing it in their own language. Right? And so it was a supernatural ability for God to speak uh, in such a way that people were hearing it in a different human language. But then we have another example, which would be more of like what's called like the tongues of angels, uh, B, letter B, to receive and communicate a message of God to his people through a divinely anointed utterance in a language they have never learned. And there's not a Rosetta Stone version of it, right? Because this is like the language of angels, some kind of utterance. Okay, this is, again, speaking in tongues. But then you have like a third option here you see in the scriptures, and this is more of what we call like the private prayer language. Um, this is the private utterance used to communicate solely between the individual and God in times of private prayer and devotion. All are biblical examples of speaking in tongues, right? And so the only ones that, are, that need the interpreter is B. When, when the people hearing it are not hearing it in their common language, um, there's a need then for an interpreter, okay? 
And so we'll come back to that one in a few weeks. All right, so really the only one that's left today we're gonna talk through is wisdom, supernatural ability to apply, understanding to circumstances and decisions in a way that leads to human flourishing and God's glory. Um, Oftentimes, we aren't naturally attracted to people with this gift. We don't always like what they have to say. Right? It's almost always in hindsight we look back and, and we're able to recognize wisdom. Right? And so over time, as we grow in maturity, we're able to recognize wisdom, appreciate wisdom, and respond to wisdom. But oftentimes, uh, wisdom does not lead you in the direction you naturally want to go. It doesn't always lead you in the path of least resistance or towards what seems easier or, or will make you happier. Wisdom, though, leads you to what? To human flourishing, to true joy. Wisdom says to you the hard thing, right? But it guides your life in a way um, that leads to your good, your flourishing, and ultimately to God's glory. We need people with the gift of wisdom in our church. And here's what you're gonna learn about spiritual gifts as we go forward. We need all of these gifts, You need to be surrounded in church by people with these gifts. We don't need birds of the feather flock together. All the people with the teaching gift are in this community group. All the people with the hospitality gifts are in this community group. And on this team and that team, what we need is in in every representation of the body, we need a representation of of a multitude of gifts, right? Coming together to complement one another. I would say it just quite simply. Listen to me, church. I need your spiritual gifts, just, just to mature in Christ, I need your spiritual gifts. Your gifts of encouragement, your gifts of mercy, your gifts of service, right? And, and you need my gifts. We need each other's gifts. They've been given to us for the common good. So I wanna land here today. Next week is Mother's Day. We'll take a brief break from the sermon series and then we'll come back the next week and we'll wrap it up in about two or three weeks after that. So. Um, I, wanna, I wanna land here today, today though. So like, if you're here today and you aren't a Christian, like you've never taken a step of faith to trust in Christ and what he's done for you, um, no, none of this is gonna make sense to you. It isn't. It's gonna seem really odd and it's not, gonna, it's not gonna make sense to you. And so listen, it begins by first taking a step of faith to trust in Christ and him alone is your savior. To trust that the work he did on the cross, it's enough. It's enough to satisfy a holy God who requires perfect righteousness from you. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. And what he offers to you today is that if you will come and you will by faith trust in him, your sins will be forgiven, your eternal life will be secured and his Holy Spirit will begin to do this work we're talking about in you. Transforming you into the image of Christ, working in you in powerful ways that can't be explained, that can't be explained by human reason. God wants to begin that work in you today. Um, in just a minute, our worship team's gonna come forward and our prayer partners will be up front. If that's you, or if you've got something going on in life right now, you came in maybe carrying some kind of burden, um, or maybe a burden for somebody else. Uh, maybe there's a struggle you know, in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling as a parent, as a friend. Um, listen, our prayer partners are here to serve you by praying for you. And to not come and let them pray for you is to deny them the opportunity to use their spiritual gifts to bless you. So if God has something stirring in you right now and you want somebody to pray over you, would you, in a minute when we sing, just come grab a prayer partner and let them pray over you. Let's pray together and then we'll respond. Um, Father, we thank you for um, 
God, your amazing supernatural work in us. And, um, and God, today we recognize how um, our tendency, Father, is to overlook the supernatural, to focus on our natural strengths and weaknesses. And God, through this sermon series, you're reminding us that you have gifted to us not only your Holy Spirit, but a powerful manifestation of your Holy Spirit. That God, you've given us gifts that when we operate in these gifts, the church is built up and people who know us are able to see um, a reflection, a manifestation of you in our lives. Um, God, we desire to be the church that you describe in Ephesians 4. God, a church that is growing in love and truth, but also serving and working in the ways that you've gifted us to serve. God, that this church could be built up, could be grown, could be matured, and your will could be accomplished. So Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit now to come and to work in our lives. Convict us of sin, call us to repentance, meet us in our brokenness, meet us in our discouragement. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus.